Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Steve, it's an, an according to Hoyle miracle to be sitting here with you, so... <laughs> Is that is that a reference to this movie that I'm yeah, missing yeah, somehow? Yeah. It's one of my favorite lines that like you and I talked about. We didn't we didn't really uh, we did, there's lines in here I didn't really realize I, I'd stolen. But uh, yeah, they're they're talking about the miracle in the diner. Oh, and, that's right. Okay, I thought you were gonna call me Honey Bunny. I was so ready uh, for that. Uh, well, Sugar Pop probably, but no, <laughs> I, I had to zag. Uh, do you even know what Hoyle is? According to Hoyle, you know does. I know there's a Hoyle card game I used to play on my old computer when I was a child. Well, is it related to that? Hoyle's is an official rule book for all card games. So oh, according okay. to Hoyle, miracle means it's a, a miracle according to a, like an agreed upon definition of the rules. Wow. Uh, I, that, I, that's why I, I literally never picked up on that line in the like 10 times I've seen this movie. Like you're teaching me now in the intro to a podcast about the film we're going to talk about. I, I have a copy of Hoyle here in my house and people think I'm an old man for having it. But uh, uh, There are so many reasons to think you're an old man. That, that just sort of adds to the list, I feel like. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, along with them is that you are an actual old man with children and everything. So Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why it's an, according to Hoyle Miracle that I'm here. <laughs> And then I found time to watch a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> oh man, I'm proud of you. I didn't. I wasn't sure we'd get to this with the. We didn't. I wouldn't call it speed, but uh, once we got to it, we really got to it. And I think that's a testament to how great this movie is. Of course, if you've read the name of the episode, we're talking about Pulp Fiction. We're continuing our slow march through Quentin Tarantino's filmography. We will likely not make it all the way to the end by the time Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, but that's okay. We're enjoying the ride either way. There's no mandate. There's no rule. We're just working our way through all of them. And I think Andrew, you would agree. Pulp uh, lives up to the reputation. It's it's really really a terrific film. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just it's just great. And I, like I have to be honest, I was a little concerned coming. And we talked about this on the Reservoir Dogs episode that I would watch it and be like, I don't know, like, this, I like, this is a different part of my life when I really like this. And that is absolutely like not the case. This movie is just outstanding. And I think it like the thing it 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 hits for me that like. I think most good movies hit is like the characters are just so good. You just want more of them. And like for a two and a half hour movie, like it's, it's hard for me to devote two and a half hours to anything in my life right now. And uh, I sat here and watched almost all of it. I stayed up way, way, way too late, but I just could, I just like one more scene, one more scene, one more scene, <laughs> uh, which I think is like the ultimate tribute you can pay to a, pay to a movie. Yeah. It's properly rated. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, let's not end it here. I think we have yeah. so much more to say, yeah. but before yeah. we get there, let's go to our beverage of choice segment. I am drinking an Angel City Pilsner. It's a brewery here in Los Angeles, and I bought it specifically because this is such an L.A. movie. Yep. I felt it was necessary to have a very well-branded L.A. beer. That sounds like a good idea. I am drinking a, uh, a gin and tonic, which is a drink I, uh, I enjoy greatly but have not had in a while. Uh, and I felt like it fit, fit with this movie. You know, yeah. a movie I really love uh, but I hadn't, hadn't, hadn't savored in a while. So there we are. 
And like you said, I felt the same way you did. I was very sort of concerned. Though it's so well regarded and I remember it so fondly, I was definitely thinking maybe Pulp Fiction is not as good as I recall. You know, Reservoir Dogs, as we noted in the last episode in our archives, you can find it. We noted it was flawed. It was just it was it was good for what it was. It portended good things, big things for this for this auteur, but as a movie it was not great. This as we said really stands up. Like everything, it is iconic, it is quotable everyone in it if not if they're not giving the best performances of their lives they're giving a top two or three it's to launch careers it revived careers there's really nothing you can say about this movie that doesn't involve the fact that it's just unbelievably excellent yeah and it doesn't like really follow uh, i mean well, we have to talk about the the, the there's a number of revolutionary or not revolutionary exactly but um, highly influential things that this movie did and most notably is the nonlinear timeline um, and what struck me is like actually how little I I actually cared one way or another about that um, like it's interesting to see and I'm I'm sure if I thought about it more I could break down more why he chose to structure it in the order he did um it being non-linear but like it just like it, it does i think the the point i'm getting at is like the characters and the the scenes are so good that it just like the non-linear nature it like doesn't even matter like it is uh, to some degree i mean and, and which maybe is kind of the point of of doing it in the way in the way in the way he did um and i think we talked we talked with this like i had i i I had reconstructed some things in chronological order in my head that weren't in chronological. Like I thought the wolf was way earlier in the movie and I forgot it was like way at the end. Um, and uh, which is just kind of interesting. You, you just, uh, you can, you can almost, you could, uh, one of the things that was interesting too is that you could almost consume this movie in like 12 or 15 minute increments, you know, however long the sort of vignettes uh, last. Um and it's just like it's so good. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I will say uh, one thing I appreciated more as an adult, or at least this time around, is there are some uh, slower moments. Like there's yeah. a big chunk of the Bruce Willis segment in particular, the cab ride with Esmeralda, and the conversations he has with Fabian. I in my head I remember the I, as a kid at least I remember the Fabian scenes being like get these goddamn scenes yeah. out of my face. Like they are so slow, they're so boring. But you need that. Like it and yeah. it builds so well to what comes. Like, as a kid, I think I just wanted action, action, action. And yeah. as an adult now, I realize, like, it's not increasing the tension so much as lulling you into a nice, calm. Yeah. So then when Willis freaks out at her and then <laughs> goes off to get the watch, all of a sudden things just explode sort of out of nowhere. Yeah. And you don't even, like, you, you don't even realize how, like, sort of quiet and calm the last 20 minutes have been. And then, obviously, just shit hits the fan <laughs> in a remarkable way. It just, it's so, for a guy, for, we said this about Tarantino's first movie, for his second movie, so well-structured, so well-put-together, like I, it's 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 flabbergasting that he was that that he like pieced this all together so eloquently and the ups and downs work so perfectly. Like it's it's just a master at work. Like it's just I, I know we're just gonna gush over the dude all the time. And, and honestly, in, in future episodes, we yeah. will not gush over him so much. But there's just so much to gush yeah. about here. This may be the biggest gusher of them all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, I think you're right on too. One of the things I was also struck by was like. Um, I agree. Like the, the moments of shocking violence are sort of what, when I was younger, what I, what stuck with me and, um, and watching it now, I was like, okay, okay. The guy's head got blown off in the, in the car. But like, really the great thing about that is that that brings the wolf into their orbit and he talks the way he does. And, you know, 
like, like the, 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 from the opening, all the conversations that, um, you know, Jules and Vincent Vega have are like incredible. Like I could just watch those guys talk for eight hours, you know, like there's such a great, you know, um, back and forth going there. Um, and then, yeah, they are just punctuated by these shocking moments, their violence or like, um, Mia Wallace ODing. Like that's not really, um, like you just love every moment before that in the diner and the dan or in the in the restaurant uh, Jackrabbit Slims and 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 then and then she overdoses on heroin and you're like holy shit like wait no like this is crazy um you're right <laughs> the, the, the that that like dance between um just sort of marinating in dialogue and people kind of being normal but still talking in that Tarantino way like we talked about last time and then these like shocking punctuation marks um or just what makes the whole the whole movie great. Yeah. And there was one thing I also noticed this time around as well is how unlikable a lot of the people are, or at least how depraved and dark oh, yeah. and yeah. not happy they are. Travolta's yeah. a heroin, a con- seems like a consistent heroin <laughs> user, and uh, make she overdoses because he brings a bag of heroin to her house. He's super stoned when he first meets her. They have this when they first get to the restaurant. It's awkward, but they also seem super fucked up and out of it. Yeah. Like Travolta's eye is like twitching. Like you just sort of realize, and like obviously they murder people, so that's very dark. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of elements to it that it's easy not to focus on because they're charming and they have these conversations and because the, the a lot of the the violence and the darker stuff isn't played for laughs but it isn't played to um it's played to shock but also to like entertain and but if you really think about it as like a you know an objective person you're like these are horrible people and they're doing horrible things and they deserve all the bad things that happen to them yeah. and like they yeah, yeah. know but yeah. you can also enjoy them and it does, but it doesn't make you dislike them like there's a tone there that yeah. is fascinating that he was able to hit where it's like these people suck but somehow I will I will emphasize that without making them unlikable and I don't know how you even do that like and I think that's something that so many imitators have strove for in the movies to come yeah. you know these quippy horrible people and but but you like them because they're the main characters and it's like no we don't just like the main character we like the person because of what he or she does that and we respond accordingly and t- Quentin has this sweet spot that he hits that I think, you know, all the imitators just for whatever reason, probably because they're just not as good. They just don't really know how to do it. Yeah. And you said something like r- really interesting there, which is like it's it's one of the only movies I can like the anti-hero is sort of like your Don Draper, your Tony Soprano is like it's like a thing now. Right. Like, you know, you you end up rooting for Walter White to a degree, even though he's like a monstrous person. What's interesting about this movie, I think, is like more than those more modern examples we have. Like, I think you're right that you in, I, like I thoroughly enjoy all of the characters in there. But anytime anything bad happens to them, I'm like, yeah, they kind of deserved it. Like even like, <laughs> like even the whole like sex dungeon thing with Zed and the Gimp, and I, like I'm like, eh, you know, kind of everyone got what they deserved here. I, I think. You know, like, like, like um, uh, Travolta being Vince Vega being killed. You're like, yep, that's about right. Like that's what happens when you're, you know, it's when it's him or you, and you're staking somebody out, and everyone's trying to kill the other person. It's just justified when you get turned around and you get shot. Like that's just what happens in this world. Yeah, it's weird. You don't like feel bad, really, and maybe yeah, that's for, also for the main character of the movie being killed. You really don't feel bad at all. And I, I think part of it also is the the now that we talk about it, like is is actually the 
part, part of the reason maybe because of that nonlinear timeline, right? Like if this story were to continue for another two hours, you could continue to bring Vincent Vega back from the dead, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Like over and over and over again. In fact, that's what happens, right? Like he he he's shot and then there's another scene with him. Um, and maybe there's, that... like, there's like 40 minutes left of him right, where, yeah. where he's very charming again and, very, and you like him again and you sort of forget that he was killed, you know, 10 minutes beforehand. Yeah, maybe that's... The, the genius of a particular film is is making you like the characters and and making them immortal, not by giving them special powers, but just by changing the you know not using a chronological plot. Yeah, that's a great point. And also, I think the 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 not just the chronology element, but the switching of the main character sort of element. Like, does by the time Vincent does get shot, you're rooting for Bruce Willis's Butch. He's your new main character, for you know, lack of a better term. So it's 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 justified as the point of view shifts. You're like, oh, the, this is the bad guy now, and this is the good guy. <laughs> like, it just weirdly like it that the rotating element of that is fascinating. And like seeing Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace pop up randomly in other scenes, like and knowing uh. what's going to happen to her what has already happened to her like there's all these little nuances to it that don't really are not necessary by any means but it's just like it's like easter eggs without even being easter eggs you know like it's not an easter egg it's part of the movie but it just it is just there's an appreciation factor to it that it it makes you sort of as like a fanboy squeal and get excited he's like oh wow they're back like vincent's back and you know the tim roth scene is bookending this movie like you realize all these things as you go that are just fun like it's just movie nerd stuff you know like he he obviously these are things that he i'm sure has seen before and liked and wanted to recreate and it feels like someone who likes movies is making a movie like there is just that element how it all is put together yeah uh so i have a very specific question about the sort of the end and and uh and vincent dying um which uh, one of the great things about this movie is you watch it and then you watch it again and then like new questions arise or like you spot new things um because again because it's non-linear so and maybe I'm just slow on the uptake here, but do you? Th- why do you think Vincent was alone staking out um, Butch's apartment? Because uh, one of the things I picked up on this time was the the miracle thing, and Jules talking about how he wanted to retire and how he was going to go to Marcellus and say I'm out. So I was wondering, in retrospect, is is Vincent alone in that apartment because um, because because Jules has basically like walked off into the sunset. Um, it's kind of unusual given that Jules and Vincent are together for the entire movie, except for this one scene where he leaves his gun on the counter. Yeah. Because he doesn't have his better half. Who's, you right, know, right. who seems a little more put together and right. smarter. Right. And I think that's what we're to led to believe for sure. And yeah. that is, there's sort of a poignant, sad element to that too. Yeah. Like yeah. his partner left and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't necessarily sad about it, but it led to his death. So I'm sure yeah. in, in his final moments, he was probably a little perturbed that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Jules parted with him, but it's, it's a great element too. Like I didn't really, th- I don't think about that a ton. Like that makes perfect sense as you yeah. lay it out there, but it's not something I focused on. Like you, you know, he's just doing. He's. I thought he was just doing his job, but you're right. He was. It, it all does come together in in little ways that have a big impact. Well, and like like any great movie, and, and Tarantino is truly great at this. I think um, the other one of the other things I look for is. Um, you know, sort of deep mythology to a character that isn't really, that is tacit. It's not spoken. Um, like we know, we know Vincent spent three years in Amsterdam. Why? Like, you know, we're left to wonder, you know, it's kind of like um, in Casablanca, the the reference to, to Rick Blaine running guns in Ethiopia, and then he ends up in Morocco and you're sort of left to, you know, fill in the, and that's one of the great things about this movie. Like, 
who are all these people? And because of the, again, probably because of the, 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 the chronology is, is, is toyed with, you go back and forward and try to figure out like, um, where they came from, where they're going. And the great thing is that Tarantino has created great characters. So it doesn't even matter. Like you can kind of just dream on it forever. Um, and so that's another thing I look for in a great, in a great, truly great movie. And uh, probably one of the reasons Pulp Fiction is considered one of the greatest movies. So Yeah. And we said this before about him and something he does really well is he's able to create these characters that are clearly not real people by any means, mm-hmm. but they feel like they exist outside of the realm of the movie too. Like right. the movie right. extends beyond its start and end time. And obviously, and that's another thing that's really hard to do as well. Like I don't, I can't put my finger on exactly how he pulls that off, but it's something he's great at. Like nothing feels, and, and again, it's, it's something that it must feel very easy to, to try and copy if you're a, uh, uh, right. a fan or if you're an aspiring filmmaker who uses him as a model you're like I'll do it too but it's not something that is very doable yeah. it's yeah. very very hard but it's a skill set he has yeah yeah uh, so I have some spe- uh, another specific question that perhaps oh, will spark some discussion like so this is a movie chock full of like outstanding performances obviously in quotable lines what's the best performance though i mean there's so it's like an embarrassment of riches to choose from but I, I like what's your favorite performance in this movie i mean the the answer i have to give though i have a, i have a backup answer that i think is arguably more interesting samuel jackson should have won an award for this this is the best thing he's ever done this is everything he's done since this has been a variation on you know like yeah. he defined yeah. his persona as a yeah. human being with this movie and it seems like not even like that he seems to be manufacturing it after the fact like it seems very in line to some extent with who he is as a person a very outspoken loud uh brash like like cool dude like that's seems very much like who he is and this is the perfect encapsulation of all that and it's if if you're putting together a list of best supporting performances you can make case that he's the lead in this too regardless like he should be near the top of all those lists and it's a shame that we don't put him there um i will say the other interesting answer i think ving rames is so good in this like he's only in it for 10 15 minutes probably a total screen time but he's cool as hell too and a scene i noticed more this time around is in the basement with zed and the gimp and you know the the rape scene when he (laughs) is when he is freed and he shoots zed and he's talking to butch and he's trying to he's explaining what's gonna happen next there is i i noticed i i thought at least a a a sadness in him more like a Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. weariness obviously understandably so given what just happened but i i thought it was an actor doing a great job of putting up a really strong face but underneath it being like like fuck man like this is terrible i'm broken like i'm so fucked up but trying so hard to and anger probably fueling his mm-hmm. his you know his general disposition of revenge and rage and, and all that kind of stuff like i i just thought there was so much in that little scene i remember it as being cool and like the speech he gives is great and like obviously mm-hmm. he's getting revenge on this guy we all want to die but i was just so impressed at that there was an undercurrent there that i didn't notice before yeah the other person, so I, I agree with, you can really just, you can talk <laughs> I to say, I could have said anybody. I, he would have been like, yeah, yep. Anyway, except for, except for Quentin Tarantino. Um, <laughs> he has but, great uh, dialogue. He's just not a very good actor, but his dialogue is great. I, I think one of the things I'm starting to come around to is, and we'll see as we go through his, his filmography is that he's the worst part of his own movies. Um, <laughs> but, uh, cause he's terrible in Reservoir Dogs too. Um, the whole Madonna thing. Uh, I I got I to talk about Uma Thurman, though. Like, I, I just think she just, like, there's just, so, like, electricity and intensity to her. 
and that I think like you you kind of forget because it's it's like she's very early basically like her main part of the I mean she appears very briefly I think with with Butch right in the when Butch is going to take a die but um but she just like she just makes those scenes with with Travolta in and uh Jackrabbit Slims and the OD and then their whole like sort of agreement to like keep this a secret um which was interesting because there were a couple of agreements to keep things secret throughout the movie um both mm. both both Wallace's actually um but uh i mean it just kind of sets the table the, the the electricity and the intensity with which she plays this character um Mia Wallace is is remarkable and i'm looking at her she's on you know it's interesting she's on the the movie poster just her um I was, she's the only female character of consequence too. Yeah, yeah. So, but but she's great. Like she and she's the first female character that Quentin has really, at least in his own movies, right. that has written well. So it's you know he he had room for one at least in this, which is good. Right. And um, uh, but anyway, it kind of sets the table for a movie we'll talk about soon, which is Kill Bill, which is kind of like a. An I don't know about soon, but we will talk about uh, yeah. it in the next in our lifetimes. We will talk about it. Uh, anyway yeah but I, I i just love her performance i mean i think samuel L. jackson you got to talk about that um Kytel, I, too like we i shit on Kytel a little in the res dogs episode but oh my god he is he you know i, I want to talk about jackson and reigns but Kytel in this is a force of nature he's so terrific yeah uh, I, I the one thing that i one of the other things that i didn't realize i always do is uh the Kytel thing at the end where he's like i see a cab in your future <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a great way to like end. It's like that he says that line and then he like peels out with the chick from SNL uh, in, his, <laughs> in his fast car. With I his just, hat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I say great. I say the other line he says in that little sequence where he says, move out of the sticks, gentlemen. I say that a lot because <laughs> I live in Los Angeles and I run into someone who lives far away. I say, move out of the sticks. And no one knows what that means. And it's like, it's the thing the wolf says about Los Angeles and no one understands. You know, my, my, my grandmother lived in Southern California. My mother's from there. Uh, I, I still don't really understand the geography there. I have to say I've been there a yes. lot. Vincent living in Redondo. I mean, it makes sense. Cause he's like, the, you can be sort of like a stoner, like beach bum there, but it does not feel totally accurate. I put in my notes, like Vincent lives in Redondo. I don't know where else he'd live, but that struck me as an interesting choice for, for why Quentin picked that particular neighborhood, but whatever, that's where Vincent lives. I can't question it. So uh, I can't <laughs> you don't know what that means. But <laughs> I, know what means. I know it's like a beach referenced in beach boys songs, I think maybe, but it's just a beach. Yeah. It's a beach in the South Bay. Like I just don't know why I just didn't think that'd be where he lives, but you know, what do I know? Yeah. The, qu- the quotable lines in this, like there are there are uh, two dozen things that either I say all the time or I hear people say all the time or are on lists of quotable things. Like Willis has so many lines, like everything about Zeb the Chopper. Like there's scenes that just have almost everything someone says has been parodied in some way. Like it's it's amazing the stuff, the, the dialogue in this movie. It's so rich and it's so funny. Like everything is genuinely funny. Like there are there are a dozen laugh out loud moments that you wouldn't think you'd be laughing out loud at, but it works so well in the context of the movie. Yeah, the, the the line I wrote down is "Let's not go sucking each other's dicks." I oh, that's that's a timeless classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, this is like a, a, a like we. I, I referenced Casablanca already, and like this this movie is like right up there in terms of quotable uh, quotable movies. Where there's just like so, it's like it, there's so many that you actually forget how many lines are are from this movie that you would like quote and reference. And and to your point, like. Um, you know, 
I always think about this when my wife Amanda watched Godfather the first time. She was like, oh, I get so many more pop culture references. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is one of those movies too, right? Yes, like that, this, that's you, very like, true. You need to see to like understand like at least 5% of pop culture, I think. Like 5%? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Andrew, what is your favorite sequence, uh, whatever you want to just call it? What is your favorite sort of segment in the movie at this point, now that you've seen it a bunch of times and, and recently again? Um, man, oh, God. Like, another thing that's that's tough to choose. Um, I, I, I think I really, really like the very, very end, actually. Um, it's just like... The, di- the diner part, you mean? The, yeah, the diner part, yeah. It's just... Uh, I don't know if that's um, it's just selection bias because that's what I watched last. Um, but I think it like it it's sort of it's either that or the stuff with the wolf. Um, but I think the stuff with the wolf is partially ruined by Quentin Tarantino's shoddy <laughs> acting. Um, although you really hate talked, Quentin. Uh, well, I like Quentin. I don't like when he acts. Um, and, yeah. So, uh, but the reason I love the the diner scene is like. Um, one it actually it doesn't end like all the other scenes with a punctuated moment of violence actually like everyone just kind of walks away um and of course vincent's gonna get killed later but um i think the other thing i just love about it is you get a a great vincent and jules conversation but you get the extra layer of absurdity of them being in like quentin tarantino's character is like gym clothes like i there's something (laughs) that's so funny about seeing those guys after they're in those the the black suit with the white shirt and the, the skinny black tie, and then they're like wearing a UC Santa Cruz like <laughs> t-shirt, especially Samuel L. Jackson's haircut. So I I think that's my favorite sequence. But I mean, you could probably just tell me what your favorite one is, and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's my favorite one. Like you. Oh, I was about- I was actually gonna say the wolf one. Weirdly enough, I mean, and I I guess you could sort of count that all as as the end, the last forty minutes. You know, but 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 in general, one of the things I love about the wolf thing that I wrote down in this particular viewing is, you know, obviously they shoot a man in the in the they shoot Marvin in the face. That's a big deal. Yeah. They all freak out appropriately. But then the issue becomes not only do they need to get rid of the dead body, but they need to not have Quentin Tarantino's character get divorced. Like that is, that is paramount on everyone's mind. It's like, we cannot let his wife come home because she will get so mad that she will divorce him. Like that is as important as disposing of the dead body. And it all, again, it all flows. Like everyone agrees a hundred percent that this is a very important thing. Like, I just love that. I don't know what that even is. I think it's just funny. Like, I think it's just in a, a, a little, tw- tw- you know, a twist. Like not only not, you're all worried about this dead body, but here's this domestic squad. Yeah, that is going to arise if we don't resolve this. It's, it's bringing this bizarre domesticity to a, a gangster movie. And it's not just like Quentin's not getting divorced, but like the amount of time they spend talking about how... <laughs> How he buys good coffee. Like <laughs> he buys good coffee. He has nice yeah. linens. Like yeah. he lives in a very normal house with a wife who I think is a nurse. Like he, yeah. Yeah. he lives yeah. this very traditional yeah. life. And then apparently is also Jules's gangster friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Folgers or Maxwell House. I'm glad. Anyway, yeah, I, yeah. You could talk me into that one. I mean, all the stuff with uh, with with Travolta and Uma Thurman is is outstanding too. I mean, there's just there is really just this sort of use that word again, electricity coursing through those scenes. Um, I think but, the beginning uh, with the the initial Jules Vincent adventure is 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 it's the one part of the movie that I would say feels 
like it would most appeal to an 18 year old Reservoir Dogs fan. Yeah. Like that's where yeah. they have the dialogue about fast food, and then they shoot the guys. He gives the Ezekiel speech for the first time. Like there's there's a cool element to that, which I I'm entertained by, and I think it's good. But it doesn't have the nuance of the other stuff. You know, it's it's a good intro. It makes perfect sense yeah. to sort of get us rolling. But it just feels a little. I don't again. I don't want to say lazy because it's not bad. But it's sort of what you would come to expect after Res Dogs, and then all of a sudden you're transported to a much better movie after that well it's interesting you bring up the ezekiel speech because actually like quentin tarantino kind of deliberately waters it down by repeating it like multiple times in the movie and then it kind of like lose deliberately loses its i think deliberately loses its, its sort of power yeah that's one i wouldn't have included i mean the other one i wouldn't include is my favorite sequence i the only one i could cross off the list for sure is just everything with zed and the gimp it's not that's not a pleasant scene. <laughs> Although it's, it's, that that's shocking now, even today, like that the fact yeah. that, that was in a movie that everyone saw what yeah. was it twenty five years ago? That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Although I do, I do did really enjoy how it started, which is just that he's driving the car and Marcellus crosses the street in front of him and then goes motherfucker. <laughs> that's Why is Marcellus cool. getting his own breakfast too? You think I, he'd send yeah. someone else to know. get his breakfast? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Have you read any of the things after the fact that I guess and I think Tarantino is quoted as saying this: the gimp die, the gimp hangs is hanging there and dies. Do you know that? I did not know that. After Willis punches him, he's he he hangs and dies. So that's I mean I don't know who's in there. It's he's obviously not a good person. He's he's tacitly participating in the rape, but he's he's dead now. So they're all dead. Is he or is he just a prisoner of that? I don't know. Yeah, but it's... he seemed like he was enjoying it too. I don't know if he was. I think he was getting his his thrills too. You know. I thought he might have been enjoying it in like a reek like fashion. Yes, uh, it could. He could have been broken down. That's a good point. He might have been. Yeah. He may have been reek. In which case, it's a little bit more of a tragedy, but still not, you know, yeah. anything to cry about. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, and um, so so as to not end on on the gimp hanging note, um, <laughs> I will say though, as we said, Uma Thurman, Mia Wallace is a great character, and she gives a great performance. The uh, title card for that sequence is Vincent Vega and Marcellus's Marcellus Wallace's wife. So he couldn't like he didn't need to say like I I know we sort of know Marcellus Wallace more as a character at that point but you could just say Mia Wallace we're gonna learn who she is in thirty seconds like there's no need to to find her as the wife I guess that sort of makes sense in the the plot of the movie is will he bang or whatever with his boss's wife but mm-hmm. he still could have it just felt like a, a one you know a, a little misogynist twist before we got to the to her actual good performance. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's something we, we, I don't know if we need to address here, but you know, the, 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 the N word came back. In, in At sort least of, in a little bit better context. It was still shocking, well, but it's, there were black characters in the movie. They said it to like, it, it didn't feel like, it wasn't just white people saying it to each other, which is, which is what really bothered me about Reservoir Dogs. It just true. felt like we said, it just felt shocking for the sake of shocking. This felt like it, you could, it did service the story sometimes, maybe kind of. Yeah, well, I, I was gonna say like also like the the reference to women as as bitches repeatedly is like it feels a little. Bruce Willis like, does the impression of a mentally handicapped person. Yes, That's also an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, which it's I don't been, know. It's probably there. There are elements that are certainly problematic in 2019. Um, I bet everybody loved most but, of them back in 1994. Well, <laughs> well, it's again. There, these are all horrible people though. So I don't like again. Uh, like. I don't know. I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a hitman running around L.A. and that was his background. So, like, I, you know, I, I'm not absolving him of his 
any of this stuff. Uh, I think there's, we'll probably discover over the course of his filmography that he doesn't really deal with women particularly well. I don't, I don't think. Um, but I, I guess I'm just saying like all the people in Pulp Fiction are awful. So like, you know, even Butch, you know, <laughs> he, kills, he kills many people, yeah, including people he punches, people he he's shoots. Like, yeah, I guess I'm just taking that with a grain of salt, I suppose. So it, I think it's interesting with, with the Tarantino movie, because he writes the characters. They sound like, you know, especially when you see a bunch of his movies, they all sound like variations on him, at least especially yeah. in, in the early going. So that yeah. is the interesting, like, you're right. They are characters and they are meant to be, shitty people and so the fact that they say and do shitty things in a lot of ways does service them but it also i can't help but thinking like ooh, these are all extensions of tarantino too you know like so yeah. does he yeah. wish he could say these things and do these things or is he just is he just making a movie like there's there's just an element to that especially when you look back on it the way we are where you can't help but wonder where you know what what the desire was to include those scenes and those elements and but again a big chunk of it is that it's 25 years ago a big chunk of it is like you said he's their characters so it's, it's not the end of the world by any means but definitely raised an eyebrow here and there for sure yeah no it's a good point well you're right like tarantino's movies are so personal um and when you hear him actually talk or be interviewed it's like yeah he kind of talks like his characters which no one in the world talks like quentin tarantino um <laughs> no no real people i guess i should say um so you do wonder how much he like is he just channeling different parts of his person his personality or like or what i don't know it's it's but it is it is interesting i I guess the other thing i'd throw out there is like one of the one of the interesting things now as we look forward uh, jackie brown is still a contemporary movie but then after that they kind of like kill bill is really mythological and then after that they 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 go into fantasy and history in a different sort of way so like it's one thing for us to kind of consider as we as we go forward. Like, um, is he hiding behind some of that stuff? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't. I just don't know. It's it's just it is interesting because he does write and direct all of his movies, like, and they feel so personal. Um, you, you do feel like you're getting a window into his soul, um, <laughs> and there are different parts of his soul. Like, I mean, like anyone, you know, we're all complicated creatures. So, yeah, um, it'll be it'll be a fascinating element of this. Uh trod through through quentin's filmography is figuring out where he did mature though though he does get a rap as not having matured very much obviously like you said just from topic wise he did try and mix it up to a certain extent they all feel like his but he he changes here and there so it'll be fun as we get away from these which very much are in his voice it'll definitely be cool to see uh what the evolution is like yeah well, we will be back doing more Quentin Tarantino movies in the near future. Again, I don't know if we're going to hit that once upon a time in Hollywood deadline, but there's no rules that we can't just keep going. This is the <laughs> NRLD podcast. We can do whatever we want. So I think we're going to burn through them all now and have a great time. And then we'll keep bringing you lots of great episodes. So subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are, we are. You can also go to inrealdeep.com, see our reviews. We have a Spider-Man Far From Home review up now. Andrew wrote about Toy Story 4. And we're churning out the podcasts with a lot more consistency than we used to. So everything is up there in realdeep.com for all your content needs. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Thank you for powering through a lengthy movie, which, as you said, is not something that comes easy to you these days. So, and as you said, again, that's a testament to how good this was, that you, you hungered down and knocked it out because it was that captivating. 
I'm going to go watch Jackie Brown and uh, let's not go sucking each other's dicks. All right. <laughs> just yet. There's a key part of that. Just yet. <laughs> just, just yet. Right. That's right. That's right. <sighs> oh, and thank you all so much for listening. We'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios. <laughs>